Hi, my name is Alex Keon, and thank you for tuning in to Mentor Moments. I've personally been fortunate to have a great mentor in my life who has literally changed the trajectory of my career. However, I know that not every young person will have that same opportunity or experience. That's why I've created this podcast to give you rare access to executives and leaders who will share insightful advice to help you on your personal and professional growth journeys. Joining us for this episode is Andrea Williams, the Chief Operating Officer of the College Football Playoff. Andrea is a veteran of the college sports space, having previously served as the Commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, the Associate Commissioner for the Big Ten Conference, and was the Director of the Big Ten Football Championship game. Thank you for joining us. Alex, thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here with your listeners. Well, thank you. We're excited to learn more about you and hear some of your insights. And I do want to start this interview off by giving listeners a chance to get to know a little bit more about you. So what did you want to be when you were growing up? Oh, Alex, so many things. Um, so I think early on, you know, my, my dad's retired Air Force. So we grew up on military bases. So when I was younger, absolutely wanted to be a pilot. Um, then as I got a little bit older and was begging my parents for, you know, a dog, then I was like, I want to be a veterinarian. And I thought, when I went to Texas A&M University, which is one of the best vet schools that are out there, I thought maybe that would be my direction, but I think you have to score a little bit better in biology in order to move your career along. Um, so really that's, that's where my um, dreams were when I was young, but then certainly when I was in college, everything shifted towards real life um, and wanted to be a newscaster down in San Antonio, Texas. And so early on in my career, I was trying to get as much television experience as I possibly can. And you see, that's not the path that I followed. And that's the reason partly why I'm talking to you today. And when did you realize you're on this path to becoming an executive? You know, I, I think for everyone, the path is a little bit different and the approach is different. And there is no perfect right or wrong way or science to it. Um, I think as you go along and, you know, if, if you're going to school, if you are working and getting experience, each one of those helps sets your path forward um, because you're constantly learning. You're constantly evolving. Your interests um, are constantly changing. And so, you know, for me, I certainly thought I wanted to go into television. And when I transitioned from newscaster, um, that desire to go that route, I thought, okay, I could go into sports broadcast and I have some experience there. But once I was introduced into the administration side of college athletics, I, I quickly realized that that's the direction I wanted to go in. And not until I served as an intern at the Southern Conference um, out of school did I truly have an appreciation for all the work um, administrators on campuses and conference offices um, do on behalf of student athletes. And so as I learned more about that, um, certainly that piqued my interest. You know, I was a former student athlete myself. I had a chance to play basketball and volleyball at Texas A&M. And at the time I say I was a snot nosed kid, you know, I was there, I was playing sports, I was trying to get an education, um, but had no understanding, had no appreciation in terms of who and what the athletic director, who they were, what they did, the senior women administrator, their faculty rep, to the ticket manager, to the marketing director, there's so many people out there that are working to make sure that student athletes have not only a good experience, but graduate from college and work towards a life after sport, that when I was introduced to that, I realized that that was my passion. And that's something that I wanted to be a part of because so many people worked so hard on my behalf and the behalf of my teammates and classmates 
that that's what really piqued my interest in following a career in college athletics. Well, thank you for sharing your journey with us. And, you know, I think one thing that you, I appreciate you really touching on is the constant evolution, just the fact that you're so adaptable. I'm sure part of that adaptability was learned by growing up in a military family. But how do you think young people can develop that essential skill? Certainly, I think having a change of mindset and perspective, and I would say finding ways to say yes, finding ways to um, get things done. It's, I had a comparison once. Um, I was working for the Big Ten Conference, and we had a lot of our events in Indianapolis, which they're known for their Hoosier hospitality, and, and we're dealing with executives, whether it was with the Pacers or the Colts and with the leadership in the city. And whenever we brought an issue or a problem to them, it was never no um, or sorry. It was, okay, yes, we'll get it done. Or if we can't, we're going to find a way to work with you to get something done. And so I think for us, for anybody um, or for young people is finding the way to yes and being open and not minimizing our opportunities, whether that's in growth, if that's professionally, if that's personally, um, is finding ways just to say yes, to expose themselves to new and different things, perhaps expose themselves to things that they perhaps were not interested in or places and being able to move to different places. So I think finding a way to say yes. That is a great mindset and I, and I appreciate you sharing that. And now I do want to ask, what are some skills you think that young people should absolutely be trying to learn or grow right now to set them up for professional success? Yeah, and, and, and Alex, unfortunately, this is probably the worst recommendation or advice I could get just because we're living through a global pandemic. And our goal is to physically distance and not be out unnecessarily in groups um, or visiting with people. But I would say communication uh, the ability to pick up the phone, the ability to go up to a stranger and have a conversation, to have difficult dialogue with individuals. And so it's so easy for us now to hide behind our phones and want a text message or want to email or send a direct message, whatever that looks like. We understand as old people, as veterans, recognize that there's different ways for people to interact. Um, but for those who are young aspiring professionals, you have to realize that you're also dealing with people who perhaps aren't utilizing those same tools. And so how do you best do that? And I would say the ability to have a conversation, to be comfortable and confident enough to go up and introduce yourself to a complete stranger or have the confidence to be able to ask for things um, in a professional environment. So I would say first and foremost to have um, communication, but not just the chance to talk, but thoughtful communication, respectful communication, concise communication. I think all of that um, is so necessary, uh, even before now, but especially now when we don't have the opportunity to necessarily connect in person um, or be able to read body language and things like that. I think that's a wonderful piece of advice to go outside of your comfort zone. Um, and what better time than now when everyone is to a certain degree living in this new normal, right? Absolutely. So I know in your position as the chief operating officer, you have to be comfortable keeping track of many different tasks at one time. I'm sure there's plenty of moving pieces on game days and that has to be somewhat daunting. So how do you stay organized and how do you just stay on top of everything? You know, it's very interesting, Alex. I would say that I am 
not the most organized individual. Like if I, if we were doing a video right now, I would pan to my desk because it is explosive right now with piles of paperwork. Um, so I would not say, you know, you have to be the most organized, but I would say I'm very detailed. Um, and so when you are looking at, for instance, for our conversation today, um, putting on major events. Uh, one of my favorite things as part of my job is comparing an event to a puzzle. You know, and you've got a team and all, and the team has different pieces and you're all working at it and putting it together, um, ultimately trying to get to that final picture um, of what the full puzzle is supposed to look like. And so you have to have great team members, uh, you have to have great communication, uh, you have to have specific goals and, um, and, and outcomes that you're trying to reach. And so, and also trust, you know, if, if everyone has their respective piece of the puzzle and you're trying to fit it all together to have this crescendo of a, a final national championship game in, in, in our situation, all those things are so important. There's so much that goes into putting an event on that every piece is so important to what we do. Now, of course, you've lived through events like that, so you know the routine to a certain degree. But what advice would you share with someone maybe trying to think about all the details that go into a project or a task that maybe can get overlooked? You know, it's interesting. I've heard the quote, you know, we all are familiar with don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, but there's also a quote that's out there that always makes sure um, to check the small stuff. You don't want to let anything get away. Um, and I would say, you know, again, it goes back to communication, but ask questions and ask other people for input in their perspective. Because a lot of times we are looking directly at an issue or a project that's, you know, you look at it so long, you sometimes don't get all the different variables that could go into it. So I would say asking questions, inviting other people in to give feedback, to assess the work that you're doing or get input on a project that you might be working on. Don't be afraid to ask for help, to ask for advice, to ask for critical but constructive feedback from others. So I think that certainly is something that people might want to avoid because either they think they might be bothering someone um, or they may not think that the project in hand rises to the level of getting feedback, but it never can hurt to get others' perspectives on things. So now I wanna take a step back to your time at the Big Sky because I know while you're there, you did set a major precedent by instituting the serious misconduct rule. And I think sometimes people find the prospect of being a trailblazer to be a scary prospect. So drawing from your experience instituting that rule, you know, what advice would you share with people who maybe feel that way or in a similar position? Certainly, you know, I would say it's never easy um, to bring forth new ideas or new initiatives or things that um, folks may want to uh, focus on. Um, it could be issues of comfort. It could be issues of uh, finance um, in terms of being able to um, promote or propose change. Uh, all of us have our biases and, and want to stay um, in certain boxes that make us feel comfortable, and that's neither here nor there. Um, but sometimes when we have to stretch, it makes us uncomfortable. And so I would say, you know, always having an open mind. Um, again, I think it goes back to having a, a trusted colleague or group of people that you can use as a sounding board if you do have ideas. I think, too, having a great understanding of, of the history 
I can tell you there have been times in my career where you're working, you think you've got a really good idea, but you're scared or worried that someone's going to shoot it down or it does get shot down, but sometimes you need to know the landscape. You know, perhaps it's an idea that's already been discussed. Perhaps it's something that's already been tried. And so understanding what the history has been so it can help you to develop um, whatever your proposal might be. And I would also say, um, again, it goes back to not being afraid to ask for help. You know, when the Big Sky made that decision to take on the serious misconduct rule, there were other conferences that were doing things that were similar to it, not exactly like it. Um, but the SEC at the time, the Big 12, had some policies that were in existence that touched on those, on those issues. And so to be able to go to colleagues and say, okay, this is what your policy is. Can you help us understand how you got here? What were um, the challenges? How would you do it differently? And certainly the Big Sky was able to put their own spin on things. Um, but a lot of times you can just learn from other people who are in the industry, and there's nothing wrong with that. And now I do want to talk a little bit more about 2020, because obviously it's been a year of challenges for everyone. And adversity impacts all of us, whether it's a personal matter or dealing with the ramifications of a global pandemic. So how do you cope with adversity whenever you're faced with it? Yeah, and you know, certainly Alex, you know, take anything with a grain of salt. So I would just caution you in terms of, you know, my response. I mean, adversity looks and feels different to everyone. People respond to adversity differently. I think the, the quote for this year was, everybody is in the same storm, but we're all in different boats. And at different times, I think too, in terms of how we're managing and dealing with such a, a, a challenging time. But I think a, a couple of things, just in terms of being comfortable with oneself, understanding how you respond and react to things, whether good or bad, and being comfortable and understanding that you're gonna have good days, you're gonna have bad days, um, and being able to work through those. I think, again, having comfort in terms of being able to reach out to others. There is stigma around um, asking for help. There is sometimes stigma around depression. Um, and so feeling comfortable enough to reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm going through something or I'm feeling a certain way um, and asking for help. Um, sometimes it could be a friend or family member or it could be professional, but understanding that um, you're not alone. And I think that's what the global pandemic is, is, is teaching us is the fact that um, times are difficult and we all are experiencing different things, um, but none of us are alone. All of us are impacted in some way, some worse than others. And so it, it certainly is a challenging time and there's no right or wrong answer in terms of how to deal with adversity, but to simply know that it's going to be okay, you're going to be okay, but not be afraid to ask for help along the way. I haven't heard that quote, same storm, different boats before, but I think it is such a perfect way to describe the situation we find ourselves in. And one thing you I've appreciated you emphasizing is the support network and reaching out for help. What are ways that young people can find mentors or reach out for help during this time where, you know, physically we may be more distant than ever? Yeah, and, and I would even define mentors a couple of different ways. You know, I would say, there are mentors who serve as your ambassador. Um, and those are people, for um, example, that might end up on your references if you were applying for a job, right? 
Um, I would say that there are um, peer mentors, those individuals who are around your age, who are around your experience level, perhaps have similar jobs, uh, similar experiences that can be a sounding board to who and what you are and those people that you can have deep conversations with when things are really good or when things are really challenging. I also think that there are mentors that don't need identification, who don't need to be asked or pointed out. There are so many people out there that you can learn from, who can be a mentor, who you've never had a conversation with, but just by their leadership style, you can learn from them without ever having any contact with them. But in terms of, you know, one-on-one -on -one mentors, I think it's important to um, have a network of people and reach out to those folks and stay connected. And then the individuals who you feel are most aligned with who you are as a person, as well as those who have more experience and knowledge than you do, that you feel like you have a connection with. Um, those are the folks that you probably wanna have a direct conversation with in terms of, hi, you've reached this level. Um, you know, that's where I'm aspiring to get to. Do you mind if we have monthly conversations or when we get back together, coffee, um, so that we can meet, that they can understand what your path is, what your goals are, and then they can not only serve as a sounding board, but they're going to be an accountability partner, someone who's going to challenge you, someone who's going to hold you to the fire in terms of things that you um, and goals that you set for yourself. So there's a way to do that, but it's making good contact, staying connected, and then making sure that you find the right person because you don't necessarily want to ask someone arbitrarily, will you be my mentor because they're in the job that you want. You want to make sure it's someone who you're aspiring to be like, but also is someone who's going to have time to have conversation with you, who wants to invest in you in terms of understanding your background and what your goals are. And I will tell you, more people than not are happy to serve in that role. And then finally, if you could recommend one person, book, or podcast that you think young people could really learn from, who or what would you recommend and why? You know, Alex, I saw that question. And I figured I was probably not the right person to answer. So I actually have a niece, um, 25 years old. She's a young athletic administrator working for the Orange Bowl. So I made her give me the list of books. So I feel like that would be more meaningful. Um, so I'm going to read them off to you very quickly. Uh, Millionaire Next Door, uh, Think and Grow Rich, The Power of Habit, and Grit. So those were the four um, books that she had recommended. But I feel like we're probably about to wrap up, Alex, and I'm going to take a liberty here and hopefully that is okay by you. Um, but Alex, when you first reached out to me about setting up this podcast, I had a chance to kind of look up the things that you had been doing most recently since graduating. Um, and I saw some information regarding your 30 days of service. And I will tell you in a time of going through quarantine and things not always being positive, that was a shining light for me. So I want to tell you that you made an impact without even knowing it. Upon reading that article, I reached out to a number of my friends and colleagues and I said, okay, I personally can't do 30 days of service, but I think collectively we can do 30 acts of service. And so without you even knowing, reached out to people from New York to Mississippi, to Kansas, to Florida, to Texas, um, who all gotten on board to pay it forward to buy someone coffee in the Starbucks line, to donating money to a dog rescue, everything across the board and even more. So I have a colleague that's in Miami 
that said she loved the idea so much that she was going to do it with her colleagues and friends. So I just wanted to take this moment to thank you because you've paid it forward um, tenfold to others without even knowing that you did that. So you inspired me and I was able to take that forward to some of my friends and colleagues and it's even reaching further than that. So I just wanted to say congratulations on the work that you've done and thank you for planting a seed with me to be able to continue that with others. Angie, first of all, thank you so much for your kind words and I appreciate your commitment to serving the community, all your colleagues' commitments to serving. Um, I love that idea and I appreciate you sharing that even with our listeners. I think that's something everyone can do. Just one small act of kindness, one small act of service that is so important and you hit the nail on the head. So thank you for that and thank you for your time today. I know that our listeners really appreciate learning from you. All right, Alex, take care. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Mentor Moments. And I hope you'll join us on the next episode to continue your growth journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at My Mentor Moments.